Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Cartridge. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. Uh, and I am one of your other co-hosts. I am Ryan Bauer. <laughs> Ryan, how are you, and uh, what have you been playing lately? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's It's been a busy week, but I've been enjoying some Dead Cells, actually, on Switch. Ooh. I've been picking that up and playing a whole bunch of Dead Cells, which has been really wonderful. Oh, such a good um, game. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the roguelikes aren't games that I'm usually super into because progression is so important to me. Like, I want to feel like I'm progressing. Uh, but Dead Cells, like, I'm still getting stuff. I'm still, I'm, we're getting, I'm getting kind of stuck where I am, me and my partner. I've been playing a lot of that, like, back and forth, like, I'll do a run and she'll do a run, mm-hmm. which has been really fun. Um, so I've been playing a lot of that. Um, Factorio just came out, so I've been playing a little bit of Factorio here yeah. and there, which is a, a super kind of meaty management game with, like, conveyor belts everywhere, which is really fun I and satisfying. Those, yeah, I love designing yeah. those kind of games and, like, yeah, yeah. making it efficient is, like, whew. It feels good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you? How are you? And what have you been playing? I'm good. I am riding uh, this DC <laughs> Phantom High. <laughs> That's right. With all, <laughs> with all these announcements, I'm a I'm an unapologetic DC fanboy. So uh, four hours of Justice League in that Batman trailer, and I was I was done. I was I was riding high last night and this morning. <laughs> I've watched the Batman trailer probably a good five times. I just can't mm-hmm. stop watching it. It is so good. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and also those announcements, those uh, ki- the Suicide Squad kills the Justice League trailer was fantastic. I'm super into that, um, and just where they're going with that. And it's it's so crazy. Have you seen the the trailer for that? Uh, the Suicide Squad one is that the one where they're all standing in the like Superman lasers, the dude. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've saw. I've seen. I've seen a chunk of that. Yeah. It's crazy how like Rocksteady, who has made Batman, uh, the Batman Arkham games. Uh, mm-hmm. Has, is doing the Suicide Squad game because the, the, the tone of the game is just so different. It's very yeah. light... Uh, no, I wouldn't say lighthearted. I would say it's much more comedic and funny and bright colors and just so polar opposite than the Batman Arkham games, which is cool. I, I'm glad that Rocksteady is taking that risk. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Gotham Knights trailer came out too, which is it looks cool too. I, I'm, I think I'm more interested in the Suicide Squad game personally. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, cool, cool stuff. And then uh, exciting things. I am playing. I'm still playing Animal Crossing with my partner. She and I are mm-hmm, constantly yeah. updating our, our our island. We finished our island finally, to uh-huh. how we wanted it to look. And then it took about a week for me to go. Okay, let's destroy everything. And, <laughs> <laughs> and she was all for it. So yeah, uh, we yeah. are changing everything up there. But of course, um, I'm almost done with Ghost of Tsushima. I love it. Um. I'm very excited to cover that game in the future. I think the story's going to be a lot of fun to go over because I just yeah, I think Japanese sure culture is such a cool thing. I think they are it's really um, interesting stuff. And uh, but yeah, and then uh, anything else I played? And then I have gotten back into Apex too because <laughs> season six came yeah. out. But I mean, I don't know how long I'll be in there. I always jump in for a few days and I'm like, okay, I think I've got I've got enough of this, and then I move on. Um, but I love. I, you mentioned Dead Cells. I love Dead Cells, and I think. Um, if anyone out there likes Dead Cells, I highly, highly, highly recommend um, playing Hades. It's on uh, Epic Ooh. and Steam right now. It's going to be out for PlayStation in the fall. Or, no, not PlayStation. It'll be out for the Switch in the fall. Yes. And it's cross-compatible, which is awesome. And I, I, it's my favorite roguelike ever. I love it. The story is fantastic. They did such an amazing job in that game. I, I highly, 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 highly recommend it. I always, if I have nothing to play... I go back to Hades, and I always, 
it's like I take about 40 minutes to do a full run through sometimes mm-hmm. maybe 50 minutes um, and it's always a challenge which is cool you know you can you set the challenge yourself but like it's it's always a good time I highly recommend it so. oh I'm really excited then for Hades um, yeah. yeah I saw that, that was coming out because they had like the indie rundown on uh, Nintendo not too long ago and there was a bunch of stuff that was coming and uh, I saw Hades and I remember you I know you've talked about it in the past I'm really excited to check it out the trailer is so cool too that, mm-hmm. whoever yeah, made yeah, that trailer did a fantastic yeah. job I loved I was yeah, all about did. it that was all about it. I was watching the I when that when the indie start when the when the Nintendo indie started, uh, I started freaking out. My girlfriend's like, "What are you What are you freaking out about?" I was like, "It's Hades," and she's like, "I don't know what that is." And I'm like, "Okay, cool. All right, all right, I'm gonna watch this." Um, yeah. So but yeah, it was it was funny. Um, but yeah, no, that's all I've been playing, and uh, things are about the same. So, but I am super excited because today we are covering Banjo Kazooie from the N64. And now Xbox, I didn't know that. <laughs> you may, uh, storygoers, you may think that last week I was advocating secretly uh, for you to, uh, I don't know, illegally play a game like Banjo Kazooie. I was not. Uh, I mean, you know, take take it for what you will. Uh, I mean, you all draw, you know draw your own conclusions. I mean, uh, but yeah, uh, I didn't realize it was for Xbox. I, I knew Microsoft owned it. I didn't realize it was on the Xbox. So. Um, if you get to play Banjo-Kazooie and want to play it before we do this, uh, it is on the Xbox, I guess? Xbox One? Um, yeah, the arcade. Xbox Arcade. Yeah, I so think. something like that. Uh, so you might be able to play it there. But if not, uh, and you have a computer... Oh, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just want everyone to have access to these great games. That's all. Yeah, yeah. and That's I mean, all. It's not. I guess it's not Nintendo's fault that they haven't re-released Banjo because because they don't own it anymore. Um, right. But I really hope that somehow. I mean, Microsoft has been and Nintendo have been playing really well together lately. So mm-hmm. I would really hope that whenever N sixty four games come back out on the Switch, I, that Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie would be ones that they include because like those are such staples. And in my childhood for the N sixty four, that's Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie were such huge staples. Um, for me, I remember renting those games from my. This is a, a, a northeastern uh, thing here, so keep up with me. Uh, I remember renting uh, Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie from Shop and Save, which is now Hannaford, <laughs> back when I was like super young. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, very fond memories. Uh, I, I really enjoy those games. Uh, but Ryan, do you have any fond memories of Banjo Kazooie? Did you ever play it when you were younger? No, so I totally missed um, all the all the 3D platformers. I didn't play Banjo Kazooie. I didn't play Mario 64. For whatever reason, I just never dived into them. I I had a cousin um, who you know, Tyler, yeah. um, who he played, um, and I think my other cousin Aaron as well. They both played Banjo Kazooie. So we spent a lot of time together at one of their houses. So I've seen them played. I, I've gotten kind of the vibe, and I, I know some of the characters. But no, I never, I never dived in myself. So I'm really excited to hear um, to go into this kind of wacky, silly, fun world. Yeah, it's it is a very unique story, a very unique game. It's just so. I think it's a game. Once I I wrote the script and I finished it, um, I was kind of thinking about it a lot. And I don't think there's a game like Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie in any kind of recent, in terms of its uniqueness. it's it's There's no kind of unique game like Banjo-Kazooie in this day and age. I think it's just a game that is not, it's, it's kind of harder to make now. Because I think back in the 90s, these games like Banjo-Kazooie and like Conker's Bad Fur Day and Mario 64, they were kind of just like, 
that was kind of what was being made at the time and it was just such a revolutionary thing and they did such a good job at it that now with games and how far they've come I, it's kind of hard to make a game like banjo kazooie again but i could be wrong i just feel like there's no other game that in this and recently that, that really sets the tone the way banjo kazooie did does that make sense yeah that makes sense i think the the kind of lightheartedness and silliness that they just kind of let happen um i think it is something that is so cordial rare who as we'll talk about is is like makes these makes this game and also make conquer's bed for a day um that they just like want to make really fun games um, yeah and i think they just really captured it with yeah, a game like this in a way that i don't think i i can't think of i think like you said maybe they're out there developers today who just kind of make these really fun wacky games that both have a lot of mechanics similar to other games in the genre but just stand out so much yeah yeah definitely and actually i think you have a bunch of information of the inspirations for banjo kazooie and the background information for the game yeah so it was uh the game was released in uh the summer in june of 1998 um wow. it was developed by rare yeah 98 that was 98. a long time ago i was yeah, seven years old <laughs> yeah yeah the, the perfect time to to experience oh, yeah. this magic yeah um, developed by Rare and published by Nintendo. At this point, Rare and Nintendo had kind of formed this partnership where they had made... Because uh, Rare worked on all the Donkey Kong Country games. Yeah, um, yeah. So they they did a lot of Donkey Kong Country. And uh, a lot of the inspiration for this... Oh, the sorry. Um, the story writers. The lead designer was somebody named Greg Malis, Males, Um, Which I believe he was... There were two twins, or two brothers. Not twins. There were two brothers who founded Rare. I think Greg was one of them, and then his brother, who was on the art team, was the other one. And the dev team for um, when kind of this game really got going was only 10 people. It only made its way up to 15 people by the end of development. Which is tiny compared to like the 600 people or something that worked on like assassin's creed odyssey right yeah yeah it's just insane the size differences in in games that back in the day and um a lot of the inspirations were legend of zelda the team loved legend of zelda they really um loved the the lead designer um was playing a lot of japanese rpgs and uh, LucasArts, the point-and-clicks, which I think a lot of the humor um, comes from those, like, mm-hmm. Monkey Island point-and-clicks type things. Um, and then, eventually, Mario 64. Um, the music, as well, which I-, I didn't realize was such a big part of Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah, yeah. Um, when they were going into it, they wanted to bring, which this is a strange... Th- so, all of this information I get from Rare has a YouTube account, and they have a ton of background videos on all of their games, including Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie. And one of the things the art director said was that um, they really wanted to... One of the things the art director said is they really wanted to capture that feeling you get in movies where every character has their own theme and their own sound. And one of the examples they gave was Darth Vader. So they wanted all the characters you meet and all the people that you meet have like their own music, their own sound, the own, their own theme that plays. So a lot of the music is kind of driven by that. That's so cool. And, and I kind of get that... I kind of get that idea too in the way that they all talk they all talk so differently they don't actually talk mm-hmm. words but the the mumblings and the the noises they make when they talk are all very unique and, and and individual in the game which is i think probably comes from this as well yeah and and one of the things they said is they just didn't they didn't have the time to get voice actors in so they had people in the office just say things and they jumbled them up cut them up and put them in different pitches and sounds so there's some really like weird stories if you want to look into it into what some of these like really iconic phrases are um of like stories behind them of just this weird phrase that somebody said that you're welcome to dive down the rabbit hole but there's some interesting stuff that's fantastic 
Um, so they worked on Donkey Kong Country, and they really wanted a Legend of Zelda-type game. They wanted to, you know, infuse the the SNES graphics of Donkey Kong Country, which was kind of like a, a 2.5D-type experience where you have, it's like a 2D platformer, but there's like 3D elements to it. Um, they wanted to infuse that in like an RPG-type Legend of Zelda thing. They were trying to make that work, and the game was originally called Dream. Um, it was about a boy and his dog, Etzen and Dinger, um, who, you know, went on a bunch of adventures and fought some evil troll pirates, and Dinger could do things that the boy couldn't do, and the boy could do things that the dog couldn't do, and they worked together to achieve a bunch of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, they dropped that game because it just got too unruly and too big. Um, but then when the N64 came out, they were like, oh, man, let's now that we have some more power, let's try this again. And they again tried, but... This, the Edson character seemed kind of bland and not interesting, so they wanted to make the character more interesting. Originally, it was going to be either a rabbit or a bear, um, and there was some kind of argument back and forth on which it would be, but they eventually settled on a bear um, being the main character, um, and that's why we have Banjo. Um, and then, again, they canned the game, and um, they moved on to something else because it just felt too big, and eventually they tried they stopped making this open world rpg and instead tried to make a donkey kong style game using this banjo character using um the stuff they learned from donkey kong and you can actually see there's footage out there of this game and it looks very strange um and yeah yeah again it's on that rare website um and then mario 64 came out and it kind of changed everything they saw this game being played and they said like this is the future this is what we want to make so they scrapped everything again and for the fourth time they restarted this game and they built it from up and banjo was this platforming character um one of the things though that was the di- it was difficult is they wanted to be able to do double jumps and uh, it didn't make sense for this bear to do a double jump so they decided well maybe if he has wings in his backpack um and then eventually well wouldn't it be cool if he had had, had legs pop out of his backpack to help him run and then eventually, because of this need for double jump and other abilities, they created this character, um, Kazooie, um, as a little bird that lives in his backpack. And then from there, they got a lot of the writing, because Kazooie was kind of more sarcastic and Banjo was kind of dim-witted and silly. <laughs> and that banter was kind of what played... From that back-and-forth banter is what the rest of the writing kind of fell in place for the game. That um, so that's, cool. a, that's a, a lot of information, but it's super interesting how we yeah. got to where we're at. I had no idea they re- they started four, they restarted four times. That's insane. Like good yeah. on them for sticking with it. It's like that's that's I'm sorry. It's so hard to do is to start something and stop it and, and do that four times. That's probably a lot. A lot yeah, to go through. Yeah. And so. a lot of, a lot of changes. So if you're if you're don't give up. If you're working on something and it uh it doesn't work out, just keep on keeping on because uh, you could still get something. I mean, this took years and years and years mm-hmm. um, before they got the game they wanted and they tried. Um, for a really long time to, to get something. Uh, and it yeah. sold really well, too. Yeah, it, it, numbers, it, it, it got a lot of critical acclaim. It was really, it sold really well. People were, it was really successful. Um, and uh, it kind of allowed Rare, even though, kind of when, when I think of Rare, I still think of those N64 games and Donkey Kong Country and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. They're still making really good games, Sea of Thieves and Beyond Good and Evil, and a lot of really good stuff. Um, that this kind of allowed them to do because they just it was so successful yeah i would love i think that i really hope that um with the switch hopefully re-releasing n64 games soon and if banjo kazooie and banjo tui can come back out in some way shape or form on that platform um plus with banjo coming out on smash 
Super mm-hmm. Smash Bros. Ultimate, I think it is like the perfect time to bring them back for a new game. And we've seen the success too of uh, Crash Bandicoot and how crazy popular and, and how well that re-release did for, for that series. And now they're making a whole new game that everyone's very excited for. And uh, so I think now is the perfect time to bring Banjo-Kazooie back. I think it's it would do such a good job as it's so, again, so unique, but just don't make it Banjo-Kazooie nuts and bolts, please. Just don't. Just don't make <laughs> yeah, that game do again, please. Don't do that. Yeah. Like, just make it Banjo 3. <laughs> like, everyone wants Banjo 3. Just, just just make it, please. Rare, stop <laughs> being cowards. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. I hope they call it Banjo 3E. So I can say that. That would be very like, good. <laughs> it's not a very good title, but I would love to claim that I I, I called it. <laughs> I think so, you'll get credit. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Well, speaking of uh, recognition, Ryan, I want to say that in the attempts to make this uh, retelling interesting, uh, we kind of decided on the script being more of a shorter story a more condensed story so all of the kind of the middle of the game is very 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 condensed um because writing the script it, it became just very repetitive and kind of boring and and that's not fun to listen to so we really condensed the middle of the story and want to kind of tell it in this fairy tale-esque way and it, it, that sounds like because banjo kazooie is is kind of this 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 fairy tale in a way it, it really has this kind of fairy tale feeling as this, this protagonist story where they go off to save the the person in need and defeat the evil witch you know and and that's again uh it's just such a a, a cool story that i think telling it in this way is gonna be much more fun um but again telling it this way needs to be kind of more of a of a smaller experience so this is like a seven hour game roughly so but we really condensed it down so hopefully you like it if one day you are like, if historygoers are saying, hey, we would love to have a longer Banjo-Kazooie story, then we can try to figure something out. But in the meantime, I think this is what we're going to focus on. I think it's gonna, I think it's really good. I think what this experience will be will be really reflective of the fairy tale roots of Banjo-Kazooie and that Dreams game, which was, in, in you know, what they were going for was a Legend of Zelda RPG fairy tale type story. And I think in reframing the story in this way, it kind of is, is calling back to those roots and letting us get to just the core of this really magical experience. Yeah, yeah. And plus, if we do it in this way, Ryan, I think this is going to be what sells Gabe Newell to hire us for Portal 3. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good point. I think moving forward, we just need to, everything we knew needs to be moving towards that end goal of um, yeah. working on portal three yeah yeah because once we once we get that first voice acting gig ryan this this whole podcast is done i think yeah we no we're out of here yeah, yeah. see ya yeah. bye thanks <laughs> all <laughs> that just... work is just gone <laughs> <laughs> it's all the gone burn into the ground um all right guys we new. uh got cast in a really small uh <laughs> indie game uh both yeah. got two lines but we're out of here permanently we'll see you later um <laughs> yeah Lacorus in the newest anime fighting game on Steam. <laughs> we have no lines. We just say, hot. Ah, <laughs> a lot of grunting. Uh, but yeah. I'm very excited about it. My manager <laughs> is really pushing it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, without further ado, I think we're just going to jump right into the story. Are you ready, Ryan? 
I'm so ready. I cannot wait. Okay, here it goes. <clears throat> I've been practicing my David Attenborough. Is that his name? David Attenborough? David Attenborough, yeah. Attenborough. I've been practicing my David Attenborough voice. <laughs> <laughs> I really love, just before we get started, I love the idea of David Attenborough following Banjo <laughs> as he's like jumping through. That's just, that's really great. He's just sharing the backpack created. with Kazooie. Yeah. Oh my god. Like, there's like a camera crew behind him. Yeah. Like, they've, yeah, they've like Planet Earth 4. It's Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> Rare. You know what you have to do. <laughs> like, you need some voice actors. I'm a, yeah. I think we could do a great voice acting for Banjo Kazooie. I mean, come on. It's. Like, we could do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. I'll be Kazooie. If you want to be mm-hmm. Banjo, Ryan. I'll be Banjo, sure. I can do yeah. that. I'll do a... Yeah. I think I can do that. Right, anyway. <laughs> this joke's dead. Let's move on. <laughs> it's not dead until we say it's dead. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Our story begins in the land known as Spiral Mountain, at the evil lair of Grunty the Witch. Her lair is built within the side of the mountain and is horrifying as it is literally modeled after her face. The sky is dark, and the lightning strikes overhead, above the grotesque lair. Inside, the evil witch Grunty is standing over her bubbling cauldron. Grunty is cloaked in a black dress and witch hat, along with her striped purple scarf around her neck. Her skin is the color of puke green, and her face sports bulging eyes, a smile with missing teeth, a pointy nose, and a long chin. With her hands waving over the cauldron, she asks it, Ding pot, ding pot by the bench, who is the nicest looking wench? The cauldron, answering her question, responds with, Why, it's you, Grunty, any day. She really takes my breath away. <coughs> Is this sounding okay? Sounds incredible. I love it, it so so much. It's yes, okay. Okay, it's good. so good. Yeah, it's amazing. It's my narrative. Maybe the best okay? piece of media we've ever done. Okay. Uh, no, you're doing an amazing job. You're doing amazing. It's so okay, good. It's okay, sure. <laughs> so I feel like every time I practice it, it sounds good. Then when I try to execute, it's never as good as when I practice it. No, it sounds great. the The witch voice was incredible. Uh, the cauldron <laughs> voice, incredible. I love it all so much. Okay, good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm, gonna mo- I'm gonna mute my mic because I'm just giggling with joy throughout okay. the entire thing. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Picking her nose, Grunty delightfully reacts. Yes, you're right. I'm really proud. My looks stand out from the crowd. Grunty and her cauldron are silent for an awkward moment. Uh, but there is this girl, says the cauldron. Shrieking out, Grunty puts her hands over her hips with anger. What do you mean? This cannot be. There's no one prettier than me. Why, it's Tootie, young and small. She's the prettiest girl of all. Refusing to believe it, Grunty throws her hands in the air and brings them down onto the cauldron. No, 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 you must be mad. Nicer beauty can't be had. Unfortunately, I think you'll find it's Tootie. She's cute and kind. The cauldron responds while getting beat on by Grunty. Grunty turns and runs to the door, 
her flying broom falling behind her. Well, well, we'll see about that. Ryan, what do you think so far? <laughs> uh, other than your incredible voices, um, I think there's some really good characterization happening of, of Grunty in, in this very kind of fairy tale way that draws on like a lot of what we as people uh, have you know fairy tales about evil witches who want to be beautiful like in Snow White and in um, older Greek tales uh, in a really interesting yeah. and fun and silly way that is uh, doesn't take itself too seriously I do have to ask did you add the rhyming or is the rhyming from the game itself the rhyming's from the game itself so, so Grunty okay. always rhymes her sentences oh um, yeah, which is, yeah I think is a fun characterization thing for her it's a little character mm-hmm. thing for her um and I think you make. I think you're totally on. You're spot on about this. Like it's uh, as silly as the story is. The story does a really good job of setting up the motivations of all the characters very quickly, um, but not taking itself too seriously. So it's enjoyable because it's a silly game. Like, um, so we now we know that Grunty is is very um, determined to be beautiful, right? And now she knows that there's someone more beautiful than her. Which I mean, arguably everyone's more beautiful than Grunty because she's. <laughs> <laughs> she's deemed as the ugliest thing you know like she's very yeah. not attractive which is sad for grunty i feel like that would be you know that that sucks um that she feels that way about herself but um but th- anyway the story does such a, a great job of kind of setting up the not only the rules of the world it's kind of just everywhere um but you kind of understand that's the case and you understand the motivations of every character so they do a really good job of kind of just establishing this world very quickly you don't need to know too much. It's just kind of like a 10-minute introduction and you're, you're off, which is really cool. Yeah, you have the tone of the game. It's kind of silly, but there's like this rhyming to it. It has the story that we all know, you know, this this uh, ugly witch who wants to be the most beautiful. So like we don't have to, we don't need anything else because we know what this story is. Right. Um, yeah. Outside, running through a field of flowers is the beautiful Tootie. Her blonde pigtails dance in the breeze as she runs. Tootie was a bear, you see, but that didn't stop her from being fashionable. No, no, sir. She sported a pair of purple pants and a red shirt. <laughs> the height of fashion. <laughs> I would argue she's much more fashionable than most of the characters in the game. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I mean, Banjo just wears pants, um, yeah. I mean, and and a character we see soon only wears a vest. So I would say that that Tootie's choice to wear two articles of clothing, um, <laughs> kind of outdoes them too. Yeah, and actually, now I'm realizing. Miles ahead. Oh, sorry. Say, say it again. I just yeah, she's miles ahead because she's wearing uh, multiple pieces of clothing. <laughs> and I'm actually I'm wondering too. I'm noticing now as I'm talking about it, like. Uh, Banjo only wears p- shorts. Um, a, a character we're seeing very shortly only wears a vest. Uh, another character later in the game only has like a hula skirt on, kind of. Um, and we never really see Kazooie wearing anything but the backpack. Uh, but Tootie is a female character wearing full articles of clothing, as well as Grunty. Oh. Too. Grunty has a dress. Interesting. So I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Does that, do you think yeah. that has any kind of correlation? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, certainly traditionally. Um female characters and things have to cover up more things just because of our culture um and this being kind of a silly kids game i'm sure they're they're that culture is compounded in this yeah i didn't even think about that until we were joking about it but yeah, yeah. I have, i'm sure that 90s culture kind of pushed that scenario and i didn't even think about that that's interesting yeah that's really interesting
running in excitement, she makes it to a house resting by the mountainside. Tootie did not go inside, however, she stopped by the dirt mound resting outside. From out of the dirt mound came Bottles the Mole. Bottles the Mole wore a red and yellow checkered vest over his black fur and thick glasses that made his eyes look extremely large. Arthur Tootie, what are you going to do today? asked Bottles. Jumping up and down, Tootie responds, When my big lazy brother wakes up, we're going on an adventure. Bottles scratches at himself as he listens to an excited Tootie. Inside the house, we meet our two protagonists, Banjo and Kazooie. Banjo, an older brown bear, is sleeping in his bed, snoring extremely loud. On his dresser, next to his bed, is a framed picture of Tootie, his sister. Popping out from inside of the hanging blue backpack on the coat rack is Kazooie. Kazooie is a red and yellow bird. Her green eyes peer out from over her sharp yellow beak. Wake up! I want to go on an adventure too! Kazooie tells a sleeping Banjo. Her words fall on deaf ears as Banjo continues to sleep a deep sleep. Suddenly, from out of her face-shaped evil lair, Grunty flies into the air on her flying broom. If Tootie thinks she's fairer than me, I'll steal her looks, and ugly she'll be. Grunty flies closer and closer to Banjo and Kazooie's home as an unsuspecting Tootie stands waiting for her lazy big brother. Bottles, with his thick spectacles, points in the air and asks Tootie if that's her brother. Tootie, looking up, sees nothing until the ugly witch is flying overhead. A green streak follows her broomstick. Come to me, my little pretty. You'll soon be ugly. What a pity! Tootie begins to shake in fear as Grunty flies straight towards her. Side note, it was really weird that Bottles comes out of Banjo, like right out front of Banjo Kazooie's home and doesn't know what they look like. <laughs> yeah, he just, it, why is Bottles there? What is he doing? Uh, yeah, he just randomly comes out and uh, and then, yeah, he doesn't really know. Any, he knows Tootie, apparently, but so he sounds like, he feels like a stalkery kind of person in my mind. <laughs> uh, but I do think like, like Bottles and like all the characters we meet, they have so much character to them. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much, even just, like, their visuals evoke so much of their character in a really interesting way. Yeah, I think their designs are really well done. Like they're, all, the, like, all the characters are so different from one another, um, but all in that kind of same style that the game kind of, like, presents itself. No one seems out of place with the way that they're designed. It's just, it's so well done. I, like, I love the design of this game. It's so very unique. It's like if Mario 64 did Acid. I think, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good, like if it was like an acid trip, Mario 64. Yeah. 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 You know, Mario was bored, uh, did something he shouldn't. And now every single star looks like a jigsaw piece. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, we also get a lot of characterization of Banjo and Kazooie here where Kazooie is like, come on, Banjo, let's go. Banjo just sleeps through it. Like you, you get so much characterization just in such a small scene. I think yeah. one of the things we're noticing in a lot of these stories is a good story gives you a lot of information really quickly and really concisely. Um, and stories that aren't as good uh, spend far too much time and don't tell you really much of anything. Yeah, I think you're. I, actually, that's a really good observation. I, I didn't even think about that. 
you're right. I think once they, I think a game that just kind of throws you in, and and kind of tells you everything in a concise way, but not taking too long, because then it gets boring, right? Right. Um, and we kind of see that a little bit. But I think I think the boring aspect is more Borderlands. It kind of just takes yeah. forever to get going. Um, but then we have like Portal, and Portal. I mean, granted, Portal didn't really have a whole lot of information to begin with, but you are just kind of thrown into it. Um, which I think is, is, again, a stronger story. Yeah, so. the, the few lines you get give you so much information about the world in a way that is very different. Where Borderlands, you get a lot of lines of text, and they certainly are telling you something, but they're not nearly yeah. as concise and well-written. And I think it's it's pretty common that, like, um, it's pretty common in media, and I think it's common in anything. It's much easier to write a long story than a short story, because a short story has to be really concise and have a lot of information really tightly. And I think... Borderlands doesn't quite hit that in the way that some of the other games we're talking about do hit that. Yeah. I think, like you said, it's all about how it's kind of, how it's given. Like, so Borderlands does throw a lot of information at you, um, like we're kind of saying here, but it's not just, it's just not done well enough. Yeah. Whereas this, we understand the motivations already. We understand why we're probably going to be going on this adventure shortly. Whereas in Borderlands, we never really got why we're doing all this. Yeah. Other than the fact that we like to get treasure, which we never, spoilers, end up getting. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of promises that we'll get treasure, hopefully, from someone else. <laughs> yeah, it's relying on us as characters knowing that these individuals want treasure for whatever reason um, without ever giving us that reason. Where we're right away given why Grunty's doing what she's doing. Like, in a, in a quick scene, we know who Grunty is, why she's doing what she's doing, and we learn so much about her that we never get anything like that in Borderlands with any of the antagonists. Yeah, um, we don't really know who we're up against for the majority of the game, other than go kill bandit guy, um, <laughs> who then doesn't have any characterization. Um, right. So it's just even this game that is far older than Borderlands, I think, does a lot of things much better. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's crazy to think about that. And remember, storygoers, if you agree or disagree with our perspectives, we would love to know. Uh, Tales from the Cartridge at gmail.com. All the e's are threes. And Twitter and Instagram, you can DM us. Let us know what you think. We'd love to read your perspectives in the next episode or at the end of this episode, hopefully. <laughs> if you email us soon enough. If you're, I mean, we're recording it now, so you're kind of out of time, but, you know. Um, yeah, and uh, keep an eye out because, like, now that we've released, started releasing content, there's going to be a lot. We're really going to be looking for a lot more conversations and a lot more engagement with uh, you storygoers. So um, right, keep, yeah. check those things now more than ever because – now we're we're off to the races. We're off to the races, yeah, yeah. As we're as we're recording right now, we're we're launching next week. Um, it'll be the first five episodes, which is crazy. Um, we've been working so hard on this, so hopefully you guys are liking it. But yes, please, we now more than ever uh, would love to hear your perspectives on things. We're hoping you're enjoying this, and uh, uh, and remember, no one's perspective is wrong, uh, as long as no one else is getting hurt. But we're talking about video games, so I don't think that's the case. So, but yeah, let us know what you think, and uh, we'll read those on the next episode. So. Without further ado, though, let's uh, continue the story. Let me go, you old hag! Tootie yells out. Kazooie, still inside her home, looks around to see what is happening. Don't scratch and bite, my little bear. You'll soon need bigger underwear, Grunty replies. Oh no! She's got her! Somebody! Help! Yelled Bottles. Frustrated, Kazooie yells. Banjo, wake up now! Finally awake, Banjo stretches his arms. What do you want, Kazooie? Let's get outside! There's trouble! She tells him as she flaps her wings, causing her to knock over the coat rack she hangs from.
Banjo quickly gets out of bed, already wearing his bright yellow shorts, and throws on his blue backpack with Kazooie inside, and runs out his front door. Running out, Banjo and Kazooie are stopped by Bottles the Mole, who again comes out of his molehill. Listen up! I'm Bottles the Short-Sighted Mole! Banjo introduces himself and Kazooie to the short-sighted mole. Sure is a strange-looking buddy, Banjo. Can it talk? Bottles refers to the bird in his backpack. Better than you can, Goggle Boy, snapped Kazooie. <laughs> I like that Bottles introduces himself as the short-sighted mole. <laughs> yeah, it's very he's, good. He's taking a flaw, and he's, and he's using it as a positive way to identify himself, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's some body, it's body positivity that I think if um, Grunty had, this whole situation wouldn't, wouldn't be happening. That That's body positive, yeah, body positive um, approach. Fantastic observation. Remember, everybody's beautiful. Um, yeah. Except for Grunty, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Good messaging. What was all that noise about? Where's my sister Tootie? Banjo asks. The ugly old witch Grintilla swooped down out of the sky and grabbed her, explained Bottles. Kazooie, not holding back, tells Bottles, Calm down, Geeky. Look at her back. Where did she go? Actually, I'm going to stop right there. Bottles thought that Gruntilla, Grunt, Grunty, a.k.a. Gruntilla, was Banjo. <laughs> so now he knows... <laughs> <laughs> he knows all of a sudden who Grunty is. Um, so I guess there's a few plot holes in the story that I didn't realize at first. But, uh, <laughs> but again, <laughs> it doesn't take itself too seriously. <laughs> yeah, and you could certainly say that like, um, because they all live in this world together, they know of each other, I guess. I guess, yeah. I mean, when you see uh, a giant Grunty-faced evil lair inside of a mountain i suppose you'd be asking questions about hey who lives up in that weird <laughs> evil lair and then you'd probably find out it's grunty so uh it's quite a quite a choice to make your evil lair out of your your own face but again she thought that she was beautiful but just yeah. a couple of minutes ago so yeah. uh imagine the disappointment when you realize that you're not as beautiful as you thought and you designed your whole evil lair after your uh not as beautiful face That'd be disappointing, I imagine. Yeah, and I'm, there is certainly precedent in the real world of people making uh, statues and images of their faces without maybe necessarily the right context. I can't think of any like super <laughs> ugly statues, but I'm sure there oh, are yeah. one statues that in the time they thought were very attractive, and then as time has gone on, for whatever reason, um, they are viewed less so. So you know, these things happen, and and also like it sounds like Grunty was being you know, retract to my last statement. It sounds like Grunty is really being really positive. She believes that she is beautiful and she is living in that world. And, um, it's just unfortunate that she believes she has to be the most beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and it's interesting. I wish they kind of dived more into the, uh, I mean, this is a silly game, so they probably didn't want to, obviously, uh, more of the motivation as to why she needs to be so beautiful. I don't think we really get that out of the story, but, uh, it's not really a story, but it's, kind of, it's needed. It's more of a, we just need the motivation. We don't really need to know the reason behind the motivation or why she needs to be desperately so beautiful. Um, it just kind of works with the way they did it. Yeah, and I think, like we said at the beginning, like there is precedence for these stories. There's multiple stories like this in our own folklore, in English folklore with evil witches and Snow White, or with like folklore and Greek folklore, um, with the Medusa and the great gods and things like that. So this mm-hmm. is a, a story that even though it doesn't seem like it has enough description, 
Um, in some ways, I think because it's such a part of our culture, the story is part of our culture, we connect with it really easily. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Of course she wants to be the most beautiful. That's yeah. how, how many other stories do we know like that? You know what I mean? We don't even question it. Um, which right, is right. like they, they've, they've tapped into that and they've allowed our culture and our stories to do the work for them in a really smart way. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a retelling of the same story, but in a fun yeah. new way. Yeah, yeah, Which I, I totally yeah. support. I don't think, I don't yeah, think everything has to be uh, a new idea necessarily. I mean, even now, like, kind of taking it out of um, or, or bringing this up out of nowhere. I mean, we've talked about too. I've heard a lot of people talk about how Ghost of Tsushima, which is a game that came out recently, it doesn't do anything new, but man, does it really uh, mm-hmm. innovate past things that people have already done in such a great fantastic way that it really makes it a fun game so and i think this is no different i think that they take the idea of this uh story in which someone needs to be something they want to be so they have to take someone else to do it and then our protagonists go and they save the the victim which um has been done several times like ryan's saying but this is like a fun cool way to do it a fun new way which is i mean it's a very mario in a sense um yeah, I mean, granted, Bowser's not trying to be beautiful, uh, and if he is, more power to him. But uh, it's more—it's different. But in the same context, it's—it's it's the same. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, they're—they're—they're yeah. they're taking those same like, just like Ghost of Tsushima is borrowing so, from so many other open-world games. This is borrowing from a lot of the 3D platformers of the time, but it's just doing mm-hmm. it in a really unique and fun and silly way that makes it so much more interesting and engaging than I think a lot of these other games. Yeah. Um, I think more than anything, though, from just us talking about this, I would be surprisingly positive if the reason behind Bowser kidnapping Peach all this time was just to take her beauty and be as beautiful as her. I think that would be the cool motivation I never saw coming from Bowser. Much, much more so than, like, creepy, like, you're so beautiful that I have to have you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This really kind of creepy, stalkery, yeah. um, women as objects type situation going it's on. Very uh, disturbing, <laughs> uh, yeah. especially when you, th- when you think about Bowser Junior. and where he, where the heck did he come from? I, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot There's of, a lot of a lot of weird places that can go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, get on that Miyamoto, you coward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I love calling people cow. <laughs> it's because they are Eric. it's because yeah, they I mean, are Miyamoto will never hear this Gabe Newell will eventually you, I know you will one way or another <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure of it yeah. what a restraining order what are you talking about <laughs> okay back to the story Bottles explains that Grunty took Tootie to her evil mountain lair Bottles asks Banjo and Kazooie if they'd like to train first before going to the mountain lair due to it being so dangerous. Banjo accepts his offer, and is told to look out for Bottles' molehills to receive advice. Banjo and Kazooie head out and receive their training from Bottles in different areas around their house. Kazooie and Bottles passive... Kazooie and Bottles passive-aggressively make fun of one another as they train. I think it's so funny that Bottles the Mole, who's this very timid character, is the one training <laughs> Banjo and Kazooie yeah. Yeah. to... Uh, to be strong throughout this game and bottles continues to do that throughout the whole game um but i just i think it's it's funny a that bottles who's this very timid character is doing that and b i kind of like that bottles does it because like he i think he's very afraid maybe i'm going way too far into this um i think he's very afraid to of grunty and and being in this situation but he continues to go throughout her lair with banjo and kazooie to help them get stronger and to save 2d which i think that makes him a hero in the story as well you know he makes him useful 
yeah, he's helping Banjin because we get stronger and then goes with them um, in right. a really interesting way. Um, really kind of, it, it almost is, is paralleling that hero's tale and that, like, here's this strange person who's training you uh, to be stronger to, before you go off on your journey in a really interesting and different way. Um, and I just, I think it allows Bottles to become a more interesting character as we're learning from Bottles and, and throughout the course of the game. Yeah. So I guess the, the main question I have to ask you, Ryan, is who yeah. is the, the better supporting N64 character? Uh, Bottles, the short-sighted mole, mm-hmm. Navi, the fairy from The Legend of mm-hmm. Zelda, or mm-hmm. Toad from Mario 64? Um, well, Toad is out, I think. Um, yeah, he just sticks to the wall. He's a weirdo. Yeah, just not as interesting. <laughs> uh, the, the, my problem here is that my only experience with Bottles is in your incredible storytelling. Um, versus Navi, who I have some first-hand experience with. I will That's say, true. I would much rather have you telling me how to get stronger and be better than Navi telling me. So if the choice can be Eric as Bottles, <laughs> that one comes up on top every time. So so I should be the, the voice of Bottles for the next game is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I think it, okay. to not do that, to not do that would be such a fatal error that um, the game isn't worth making otherwise. Got it, Rare. You know where to get to us. <laughs> Learning to jump and also attack with the help of a living carrot, onion, and cauliflower, Banjo and Kazooie finish their trading and head up the spiral mountain in the middle of the field to a bridge leading to Grunty's lair. Before going inside, Balls comes out of his molehill at the top. Well done, guys! You're ready to tackle the witch now! We sure are! Show us the way, bottle boy! demands Kazooie. Bottles tells the duo, I've uh, fixed the bridge so you can cross it and enter Grintilla's lair. Banjo thanks Bottles, and he and Kazooie head across the bridge into the mouth, literally, of Grunty's evil lair. So Ryan, so far, what do you think of the story? I mean, so far, it's, we've gotten, it, it feels like a very traditional fairy tale story, right? There's this problem that we were presented with, um, this protagonist who we, you know, we know what their motivations are, and now we're just making our way through this experience. We're training, and we're fighting our way to this um, big, kind of ex- big event where we confront the villain. What I think is really interesting is we're confronting the villain so early that it makes me think that there's more coming, um, which <laughs> is kind of a twist, and I think in a really interesting way. I don't, I don't know what it is because again, um, this is my first experience with this game. Um, but I think so far it all it all makes sense. It feels very fairy tale like. It feels like a story you would read up a fairy tale story in a really interesting and engaging way. But I certainly am enjoying it. I think the characters and the silliness elevates it a lot. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it would just be kind of this fairly generic fairy tale story. But these interesting characters make it a little bit different. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think it's a great a great beginning to a game. Um, and again, I think it's such a unique experience. I would highly recommend people play this game if you've never played it. Um, or if you haven't played it in a long time and you really like the story, again, I would highly recommend playing it. As, uh, there's so many good characters and so many kind of funny little lines that didn't make it in the script that I think you'll you'll really enjoy. And it's just it's such a unique story and, and game. I, I I really hope it does come back out for the Switch because I would love to replay it on a Nintendo console again. I still have the game actually. I still have my N64 and I have the game. Um, so I should go back and play it that way. I need to go buy a controller again. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, long story short, I would I think this is such a special game. So please play it if you haven't and if you're interested in it, obviously. But yeah, I think you're I think you're also on a on 
the right trail here. It does seem a little weird that we're going right into our layer. Um, and is there possibly more to come? So, uh, but yeah, no, I think it's a good start. The scene changes to inside Grunty's lair, where we see Grunty and Tootie inside of a massive machine. Both have their own pods standing side by side, with Grunty in one and Tootie in the other. Tootie cowers in her pod while Grunty struggles to fit inside of hers, because she is so large. This fine contraption, so I'm told, will make me young and tooty old. A cramped grunty proclaims. Let me go, you fat hag. My brother will come and kick your butt, says Tootie. Grunty laughs and proclaims that she has many challenges in her lair and that Banjo will never make it in time. From the doorway to the left, Grunty's assistant, Klungo, enters the room. Hurry, Klungo, push that switch. I'm tired of being an ugly witch, yells Grunty. Yes, Miss Grunty. Power is on. Soon be ready, Klungo assures Grunty. The doors to Grunty and Tootie's pods close as Tootie silently calls for her brother, Banjo. This feels like a sad moment. Like, it really, this story does seem like it's kind of progressing super fast. And yeah. maybe a little too quickly in the beginning, as it yeah. kind of gives you the sense of urgency, like I have to make it because this is already happening. So yeah, maybe they could have spaced it out a little better. But then again, it's also a, a '90s game where storytelling wasn't a huge part of the game yet. But yeah, it gives you, it gives you this kind of, at least it gives it for me, story-wise. Um, and replaying it again, I gave me this kind of sense of urgency, like I really need to like kind of like rush here and kind of get through this fast so I can save 2D. Um, but what are you thinking, Ryan? Yeah, I, I think you've done a really good job of, of building this tension in how you've written this out and how, in this script. And again, that tension is what drives this story. Like you said, you, you feel like you have to move forward because there's this tension of, if I don't get there, this person who is my sister, and I care about them because they're my sister, is in danger and I need to, I need to go and go and save them. They, again, they, they lean on those cultural experiences where, oh, of course you want to save your sister, it's your sister. Oh, of course the switch is evil because she's a witch. Where we don't even have to, we don't need any more motivation other than that. And it leans right. really heavily on that in a really good way. Um, and I think, like you said, it, this scene is adding so much tension that before, oh no, she was kidnapped, there's tension there. But now she's kidnapped and she's going to do something to your sister. So now even more tension has been added to it um, yeah. that you yeah. need to react to. Yeah. And it breaks your heart, too, because Tootie's just cowering in this little mm-hmm. pod that's closing in on her that's going to take away her, her beauty, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it's kind of, like, it's silly, but it also kind of breaks your heart a little bit. This poor little girl is just being, like, kind of traumatized in this situation. Yeah. Um, and I should say, too, I didn't put this in the script, but if you do, I don't know if it's if you quit too early, or I, I don't even know if it's if you quit in general. Um, but if you, I think if you quit too early in the game, if you quit in the very beginning of the game... Um, there's a cutscene where, where Grunty steals Tootie's beauty. She succeeds. And when the pod opens, both pods open, Grunty comes out and she's just like, quote unquote, supermodel, you know. And again, I'm not saying that this is what beauty is. You know, beauty is subjective, obviously. But, you know, Grunty comes out, she has very thin legs, she's very thin figure, her dress is very form fitting, um, her looks are have improved dramatically. Um, and then on the other side, Tootie comes out and she's this like kind of grotesque looking monster. 
right? And so Grunty's happy that she's she's beautiful again, and, and 2D says something along the lines of, I have to talk to my big brother, you know, and the game's over. It says game over, um, which is kind of jarring. <laughs> I think yeah. it's supposed to be funny. Like, you yeah. kind of failed, right? You quit too early, and now you failed, and you failed the sister. But at the same time, it's kind of sad at the same time as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't... I, and I wish I knew if that happened whenever you quit the game. But, uh, yeah, so it's super interesting. <laughs> and they're also setting up these really interesting stakes that, like, what at stake is your sister's good looks <laughs> in yeah. a really interesting way. Um, but, I mean, also, like she's going to be traumatized um, through this experience in a really dangerous way. But again, it's like really lighthearted and silly and playing with these ideas that were kind of really mainstream at the time of like, there was a really mainstream idea of what beauty was, or at least in the perspective yeah. of these uh, writers and creators, like they're playing on that again, leaning on that cultural piece. And that is a part yeah. of at this, at during the time this game was out, there was a cultural definition of beauty. At least these individuals believed to be, they're leaning on that in the same way they're leaning on what we know about evil witches in a way that I think more modern games, uh, that's a bit more complex. You, I think you hit the, the nail on the head. Actually, I was going to say the same exact thing. I think this gives us a great con uh, cultural look uh, of the 90s perspective of what, of what beauty is, which is very different than uh, now in 2020, whereas we're much more um, just uh, body positivity, uh, all bodies are beautiful, um, just it, comparing the two is it's so different uh I, I don't think you could have a game well i don't say that i wouldn't say that but i think that there would be more problems with a game like banjo kazooie being released now you know in terms of like a game where it's saying if you're bigger you're not beautiful i think a lot of people would have a problem with that now compared to in the 90s where that was probably much more like yeah that makes sense you know that's kind of what it is mm -hmm. uh which is very different. And like you said, being in, I'm being this dead horse, but it's very just uh, telling of, of cultural differences. Yeah. Which who, who would think that you'd see that in Banjo Kazooie? Kind of yeah. Cool. And I think it goes back to that idea. I think the premise of this whole podcast is that like these games that we're playing, these stories that we're telling, are important to our culture and tell and t say something about our culture in a really meaningful way. That yeah. I don't think this medium of games is put in that limelight which I think one of the goals, at least for me, of this podcast is to put that culture, that really important stories that are told in these games, in the forefront so we can reflect on them in a meaningful way. Now, back to our dynamic duo. Banjo and Kazooie make it inside Grunty's evil lair. On the wall in front of them is a giant, terrifying portrait of Grunty. Looking around, Banjo sees something shiny standing on top of a series of her progressively higher platforms. Jumping to the top, Banjo and Kazooie find a golden puzzle piece. The puzzle piece, known as a jigsaw piece, is for some reason alive, and says, Hey, uh, it's me, Mr. Jiggy. Now go and find a picture with a missing piece. Not totally sure what Mr. Jiggy means, Kazooie eats it and stores the jigsaw piece inside of herself, and our duo jumps down to find said picture. <laughs> Every time you find a jigsaw piece, because we consumes it, they kind of carry it. I don't know why. I mean, they have a backpack, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever Kazooie um, wants to do. It's yeah, it's just really funny and silly, um, and really good. And now we're like introduced to this idea that again is super common in games is like of a MacGuffin, a thing we have to collect in order to a plot piece we have to connect to move the plot forward, which is super common and super useful. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually funny, too. I, I think I enjoy collecting things way more in games nowadays than I did back... I really didn't like collecting things in Banjo-Kazooie when I was younger. 
there are these little creatures we'll find soon that you have to collect, and I just I just had this kind of a pain in the butt. I don't know why. I think the older games it was kind of harder to navigate and collect things, whereas now in, in you know twenty twenty games are so much more intricate and, and streamlined and well done that it's it's much more of a experience to go and collect things. So I don't know. What, what do you think, Ryan? Did you have a fun time collecting things in, in back in the nineties with the N sixty four games and PlayStation? Um, I, I certainly did it. To to an extent, certainly not in the same extent. Now, if I play a game, now if I play a game and I'm interested in like 100%ing it, if I really enjoy it, I will collect those things. And I think, like you said, they do a good job of making it more exciting, and there's more of an incentive. Um, I haven't played Ghost of Tsushima, but I've seen some of the stuff that comes from that, and there's a lot of collectibles in that, and it seems like they're all really engaging to find and to use, yeah. and it's interesting. Um, whereas in older games, it, it wasn't as useful. But in some cases, like, you had to collect things to move the story forward, so you had to. Um, but then, again, at the same time, in a game that came out the same time as Bioshock Assassin's Creed, there was, like, an obnoxious amount of collectibles that I don't know of a human who ever completed them all because there's just so many flags that were just for you had to collect for some reason. So I think there's a balance um, there. But, yeah, I think, I think I'm more willing to collect them in a newer game if it's engaging and interesting than in an older game, for sure. Yeah, yeah, same. I just yeah, it's 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 such a different experience. I think now. I mean, granted, that's, it's, all we have is Banjo Kazooie. That's one Banjo Kazooie now, or a game like that from the '90s, uh, present day. Then yeah, it would probably be like more engaging. But now, comparing to it's like yeah, I just don't. I don't really want to collect anything in this game. I also think we probably have a bit more patience now than we did back then. What? Um, you and seven year old Eric had more less patience than twenty nine year old Eric. You're crazy. Perhaps. Who knows? <laughs> um, and then I also think like um, the gonna say it's totally gone oh i'm sorry no no it's not your fault at all um never mind i, I don't remember I, I was it's uh, just cut it I'm off i'm so sorry I didn't mean to no it's not off. it's not your fault please my brain needs to be able to hold on to things it's not like <laughs> <laughs> running to the other side of the room banjo and kazooie find a small hill climbing it they find a golden puzzle platform that they stand on in front of them is a large picture with what looks like a missing puzzle piece shape in it. Out of nowhere, bottles can be heard telling our heroes to use their jigsaw piece to fill the missing spot if they would like to visit the world in the picture. Deciding to use the jigsaw puzzle, Banjo and Kazooie fill the missing piece of the picture, causing a small door down the small hill to open. An enthusiastic bottles yells, That's it! The picture's complete, and the door to Mumbo's Mountain is complete. Our heroes turn and go down the small door leading to Mumbo's Mountain. Benjo and Kazooie arrive in the world shown in the picture that they filled just moments ago. This new world has purple cavemen goblin things walking everywhere. <laughs> is that a good line? It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be funny. I don't know if that's. If 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 the goal is to be kind of funny and silly, I think it's a good line. These purple cavemen, however, are no match for Banjo and Kazooie's teamwork. Golden musical notes that are also somehow alive are collected by our duo, and explain that by collecting them, said notes can open a special door called a note door. The two also come across a small creature known as a Jinjo that they save. It tells our heroes that Grunty imprisoned more Jinjos throughout the worlds and asks to help them save them all. Banjo and Kazooie continue to forward to Mumbo's Mountain, 
being chased by a large bull and killing huge termites along the way. With Kazooie's help of carrying Banjo up steep hills, the two make it to the top of Mambo's mountain. Along the way, Banjo and Kazooie have found and collected more jigsaw pieces as well. At the top of the mountain is a small village along with a giant skull hut with giant red feathers sticking at the top of it. This game so far is very much like Mario 64. I can definitely see the inspiration from it, obviously. And when you say that Mario 64 was a huge part of the development, or the inspiration for the development, just seeing the, the pictures on the wall yeah. um, is so Mario 64. But I like how they're like, well, let's make them collect puzzle pieces so they have to complete the picture first before they jump in. And it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's smart. Um, it is kind of like a, a copycat thing. But at the same time, they try to innovate it in a fun way. So mm -hmm. it's, it's fine. And I, like I think we've said, you don't necessarily need to innovate to make a good experience and a good story. Yeah. Um, it just needs to be done in a way that has that tension and drama. Um, I think that's what's most important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Benjo and Kazooie go inside to find a person asleep in their chair. They have bumpy skin and a skull for a head with three red feathers sticking out from the top. Waking up suddenly, the one sleeping bone head speaks. Me, Mumbo, best shaman in all game, can help Benjo and Filthy Feathered One. Watch it, hot boy, Kazooie warns. Mumbo explains that Grunty hid his magic tokens, and if Benjo and Kazooie can help find them all, then he can help them. Our dynamic duo head outside, and one by one collect Mumbo's tokens. They head back to Mumbo's and give him said tokens. Mumbo instructs Banjo to stand on the golden skull platform on the ground in front of him. Using his mighty Mumbo magic, Mumbo waves his wand that begins to lift Banjo off the ground. With a flick of the wrist. <laughs> Is it sad that that was intentional? <laughs> no, I can tell it was intentional. It's, it's a good... Okay. <laughs> With a flick of the wrist, Banjo changes into a termite. Mumbo tells them that they can change back to normal at any time. Confused why they're a termite, Banjo leaves Mumbo's hut and is able to travel into much smaller places now due to their changed stature. Termite Banjo explores holes looking for more jigsaw puzzles. Running into another termite, it looks at Banjo and becomes jealous. Hey, where'd you get those shorts? I want them. It proclaims. Ignoring it, Banjo gets the remaining jigsaw pieces in the world and returns to his normal body thanks to Mumbo. Leaving this new world they've just recently entered, Banjo and Kazooie return to Grunty's lair and head back to the main entrance. They notice a steep passage that Banjo could not climb, but luckily Kazooie can. As Kazooie carries an awkward Banjo up the steep hill, they make it to a closed door. The door shows a musical note and then changes to show the number 50. Emerging from his molehill, Bottles tells the duo that this door is called a note door, and that it has been sealed by Grunty. Banjo and Kazooie have collected enough notes in the last world, and are able to open the door with them. As they go through the other side, our heroes hear a voice of a super gross witch say, That door was easy, you got past. Unfortunately, you're first and last. Banjo and Kazooie walk into a large room with Grunty's terrifying face plastered on the floor. Against one of the walls of the room, Banjo and Kazooie notice someone dressed like a fairy godmother. A pink dress, 
fairy wings and holding a wand with a star on top. Her skin was the same puke green as the gross witch Grunty. Approaching her, the fairy godmother says, Hello there, young ones. I'm Brentilda, Gruntilda's nicer sister. I've crept down here to help you defeat the old hag. It's about time she was taught a lesson. I know all of Grunty's disgusting secrets, and I'll tell you three of them every time you find me. Remember them well, young ones, as they will help you avoid a fiery fate. Intrigued, our heroes ask to hear some of Grunty's secrets. Brentilda happily tells them. Grunty brushes her rotten teeth with moldy cheese-flavored toothpaste. She also washes her hair with baked beans. Yuck! Brentilda continues one last time. And she gets her clothes from Saggy Maggie's Boutique. After learning these three rather interesting grunty life choices, Banjo and Kazooie leave without saying a word and head to the next world that awaits them. They continue to climb Grunty's massive lair, visiting new and unique worlds. The ocean shores of Treasure Trove Cove, the sewers of Clanker's Cavern, the bog of Bubble Gloop Swamp, the frozen tundra of Freeze-Easy Peak, the sandy terrain of Gobby's Valley, the scary Mad Monster Mansion, the massive ship-filled Rusty Bucket Bay, and the season-changing Click Clock Wood. So again, for um, uh, just to be clear about everything, we, this is the part we really condensed down. This is the whole middle of the game, um, but none of the story is really there. You meet really fun and unique characters, but I would say play the game to enjoy those more. It, it would be so... In order to include those unique characters, we'd have to include the whole story, and it was just so repetitive. Um, I don't think it would have translated well, so... I just thought this, for story-wise, this was much a much better, concise way to, to tell the story. Um, so, yeah. So, Ryan, what are you thinking so far? Uh, I, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, there's, a, there's a piece where we're, we're racing up this, um, this layer to try and get to Grunty. And Grunty says, they're never going to get past all the things that I've put in their way. But we don't get any context of that. And when, when, when I was first hearing you read that all of a sudden now you're going through this other world... It didn't quite connect with me. I guess with the context of that she's put things in your way, it makes much more sense. But I, I didn't remember that in that moment. So it felt really mm-hmm. jarring to you're making your way up this um, this temple. like or Sorry, you're making it up into the, her into her lair, and then all of a sudden you're going to another world. That At least at first was a bit jarring. In, into Well, how is this getting me closer to Grunty? How is this... How is going to this other world getting me closer to Grunty? And we eventually find out after the fact... I think story-wise, it would make more sense if they if Mole said, "Hey, we can't get any higher until we get these puzzle pieces. Go into this world and get these puzzle pieces." Um, yeah, I think story-wise that would have made more sense. It still makes sense because we have that information that Grunty said, but I think it would have been more concise and more streamlined. If so, um, and again, I think you meet really interesting characters. Like Mumbo is really interesting. That whole termite thing is just really silly and fun and lighthearted. Yeah. Um, that it makes it all really engaging and exciting. And uh, the humor is really... Like, the writing of Grundy, her her um, life choices is really interesting, and I think that has a mechanical piece, too, later in the game. But it, it's I, I, it's really fun and lighthearted, and again, it's leaning in more of those fairy tale tropes. I think that, that switch of... If we would have known that this is how we had, had to get to Grundy beforehand, I think it would have flowed a little bit better. What about you? What do you think? 
I'm enjoying the story a lot right now, and and it could be uh, it could have just been me. I think because like, in order to get into the worlds, you need the pieces, the jigsaw pieces. In order to get to more worlds, you need to collect more jigsaw pieces, as well as the musical notes to open said note doors that are locked that help you progress up the the, the layer. Maybe that maybe Bubbles explained it better, and I just didn't um, find that. Um, so listeners, if story goers, if you uh, know something that I don't, please let us know so we can clarify it next episode. But yeah, it, it, I mean, and again, it's a silly N sixty four game, so mm-hmm. it probably didn't focus too heavily on that aspect. If if we if we did get this right, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't add that because again, it feels like a lot of the stuff that we end up kind of omitting from the scripts. It feels very gamey, right? Like you would never yeah. question. Oh, here's a door I need to get past. Oh, here's because you want to play the game, right? You want to play more of the experience versus the story is is some kind of disconnected from that. And in this moment, like you're enjoying going to these worlds and doing these things and you're still thinking about the fact that there's this tension but again the 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 story isn't the purpose the purpose is to explore these interesting worlds and play this really fun game and there is an interesting story in there but that that is not at the forefront and i think that's something that we're just always going to come up against when we're talking about especially older games yeah actually i think now if they made a new banjo kazooie game i think it would be i think they could do a really good job with it you know now yeah. the story is much story and video games has progressed so much since the 90s that i think if they were able to kind of take it uh make a silly story obviously because that's banjo kazooie but make it more concise and make it more understandable and uh believable and kind of set up the the story structures in a in a good dynamic way where it makes sense i think we could have a, a really amazing game on our hands um, yeah. So rare, don't be cowards. Make the game. <laughs> and, and the thing too, also I want to touch on is the biggest tragedy about writing the story this way. Though I think this is the best way, uh, is we get less Mumbo. Because Mumbo is in all the world. <laughs> oh, and he's in a lot of worlds, um, and he doesn't have a whole lot of lines. But we just don't get to see him a whole lot now until the very, very end. Um, and Banjo gets to change into a lot of other cool creatures and things like he gets to change to uh, into the the in click clock wood where there's multiple seasons you can see um you get to change into a bee and fly around and it's really cool and there's a lot of fun uh different uh gameplay dynamics the game offers you but it just doesn't flow into the story super well so that's why i decided to keep it out so, which i think like yeah. we've talked about is the is what you have to do sometimes with these yeah stories. yeah unfortunately so but, but yeah Banjo and Kazooie continue to collect notes, jigsaw pieces, and save Jinjos as they journey through the nine worlds of Grunty's lair. The magic man Mumbo and the short-sighted mole bottles continue to help our duo along the way. Brentilda also continued to share weird and far too much information about her sister, Gruntilda. Making their way towards the end of their journey, Banjo and Kazooie make it to a room with a large, flat, glowing platform inside. On the platform is a picture of Banjo's sister, the fair Tootie. Our heroes walk onto the platform and teleport to a large volcanic pit. In the pit are connected platforms resembling a game board. Behind the two is Grunty's cauldron, and way in the front of the room stands our ugly witch, Grunty. Behind her is a large picture on the wall stating Grunty's Furnace Fun, along with a picture of Banjo and Kazooie's faces prominently displayed. Welcome all, Grunty's the name. Hey, is that her? I can't think of what her voice sounds like again. 
I think that's close. Maybe like a little bit more gravelly. Like just really ruin that voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just destroy it. Destroy it. <laughs> My neighbors down below stairs probably hate me right now. No, it's so funny. Hope he's not home. <laughs> Welcome all. Grunty's the name. Banjo's here to play my game. My lair is done, and here he stands, through all my tricks and traps and lands. This final test will see me win. When Banjo fails, then I'll be thin. Off to the side, Tootie stands on a three-leveled podium, with her in the center as the ultimate prize. Second place is a washing machine, and third is a grunty plushie with a missing eye. The prizes on the stand bring joy, from Tootie down to Grunty Toy. My little quiz will make you sweat, and Tootie you shall never get. Cause somewhere along the way, your lack of skill will make my day. Cause in the fiery pit you'll go, and I'll win the prize on show. Banjo and Kazooie say nothing as they move to the first square of the board game. As they walk on the first square, it lights up under their feet. The faces of Banjo-Kazooie are seen on the square smiling up at themselves. A little answer is all I seek. About this game, you furry geek! Grunty hisses into her microphone. Grunty asks our heroes a general question about a world that they recently visited and correctly answer it. Boos from nowhere echo throughout the lava pit in response to Banjo and Kazooie's answering their question correctly. The duo continues to go to every next square on the board, answering Grunty's ridiculous questions. Visual questions. Music questions. Even asking general embarrassing questions about Grunty's life choices. Banjo and Kazooie cannot be stopped. The boos continue to echo until our heroes make it to the end of the board. And again, I, I took out all the questions because they're all, they're all random. Um, and they're just general questions about the game as you play. So like, it actually is really cool because like you have to pay attention to the world because they'll ask you like, hey, who makes this sound as they talk? And you have to pick like of three choices of the characters that you've met throughout all the nine worlds. Or like, hey, what? here's this picture. What world's it in? You have to pick which world it is. You know, like it's so you really have to actually pay attention to the game as you're playing it in order to progress and, and beat this this part of the game. But I think it's super cool. And again, we said that you don't have to be like innovative in your game, but this is a, a fun, cool little way to add something to it. And again, we don't talk about gameplay, but still, it's, it's, it's something to talk about. I think it's a cool, fun way to face a final boss, quote unquote, um, and, and kind of like from a story perspective too. I think it's kind of fun. I don't know. What do you think, Ryan? Is this a, a cool way to do something in a game, or do you think it's like uh, not like it's not enough? No, I think it's a really cool. I think if, I think if you're leaning the other way, if if you want to have this big tense moment, and again, there are certainly times in stories where instead of fighting, you have to. You know, it's a question of it's a battle of wits. You know what I mean? You have to outsmart the opponent. And in this situation, that's just kind of turned up to eleven. And we're gonna play a trivia game. You know what I mean? Against each other in this kind of silly and funny way, but it's still going back to that battle of wits type thing in a really interesting way that is very different and, and stands out. Yeah, yeah. It's just that, yeah, it's, I never, I've never really, I, I'm sure that other games have it. I just can't think of any off, any off the top of my head. Um, but I just remember Banjo because we've been in that game. It's like, wow, I was not expecting this um, at quote unquote the end of the game. So it's just kind of fun. And, and I think it makes you, without realizing it, uh, have to pay attention to 
a lot of the details in the story and the game you know as you're playing it it's it's kind of a, a fun little way to get more out of the game itself the duo continues to go to every next square on the board answering grunty's no one can win i was assured by the makers of this board grunty was upset at the loss of the hands of the handsome bear and beautiful bird it's not fair i want to win how i long to be real thin now you can take the prize on show while the winding stairs i go you won't catch me i've made sure all the credits you'll now endure Grunty runs up the stairs, laughing as she tries to put each foot in front of the other. I love to, side note, I love that they, they break the fourth wall so much. Uh, like, you know, you'll all the credits you'll now endure, like the game's over, you'll, you'll have to face the credits now of the game. And like, uh, Mambo's like, uh, Mambo says something, uh, let me find it again. Oh, Mambo says uh, something in the game, he says, uh, me mumbo best shaman in the game in all game uh you know breaking the fourth wall again which i think is so funny i guess and it's a game where it can do that and it works um so yeah I, it's a very kind of like deadpooly which i always enjoy yeah and this is the first kind of experience uh, that we've jumped into that does that in, in a really interesting and fun way where part of the story is it recognizes that it is a game it recognizes that this is like a thing that you're playing through and it makes that a part of the story in like just a really fun and interesting way yeah yeah it's enjoyable and it's it's done in a, in a really good way it doesn't it doesn't do it a whole lot um but in really fun and uh cute ways which prize should we take kazooie banjo questions as they walk to the winner's podium me, me, me! Jumps Tootie. Kazooie answers. Ah, uh, how about the grody, ugly thing? I think we should take Tootie. Banjo rebuttals. That's what I meant, says Kazooie. Tootie asks to go home, and the three agree that it's time to go. Back at Banjo's house, the whole gang is having a cookout. Mumbo, with his chef's hat on, is barbecuing on the grill. Bottles sits on a small seat, eating corn on the cob, while Banjo and Kazooie relax on a fold-out chair with drinks in hand. Bear and Bird did good. Helped Mumbo beat Witch. An ecstatic Mumbo says as he flips a hamburger patty. Yeah, but they needed my amazing moves to do it. Bottles says with a mouthful of corn. Kazooie, unamused by Bottles, says, No way. Me and Banjo are the stars of this game. As the four enjoy their victory, Tootie hops over to them unhappy. What is this party for? Grunty got away, so get back up there and finish the job! She demanded. In utter shock, our heroes gasp at realizing that Grunty got away. Banjo's chair collapses to the ground. Mumbo screams, and Bottles falls backwards off of his chair. I'm not going! yelled Kazooie as she hits Banjo on the head with her drink. Ouch! Yes you are! Let's go! Banjo sprints back to Grunty's lair with Kazooie in his backpack. It's funny, too, that like, Tootie wanted to get out of there, <laughs> out of Grunty's lair, and then she gets yeah. all upset that... So Tootie, I think, it's kind of funny, like, again, this, this story doesn't take itself too seriously, but, but Tootie's kind of spoiled. Um, you know, she's young, uh, but she's very, like, I want to go home. Okay. And then they go home and she goes, what are you guys celebrating for? Grunty got away. Get back up there and fight her. And they're like, okay. And it's just... It's very silly. It's a very like weak uh, motivation to continue the game, but it 
it's funny because like all when she says all these characters gasp and there it's just this kind of like ah moment <laughs> it's really funny and cute um which helps it helps push the scene along which is, is awesome yeah i really love this scene of them all like celebrating in their own like really weird silly ways just enjoying like mambo flipping a hamburger <laughs> it's just like a really yeah. great scene and then all of a sudden like you, we think we've won. They think the end, and then like the character who's in danger says, "Like, what are you guys doing? We didn't actually like. We just got away. You let her. You let her get away in this really like fun, silly way. That, again, like we've been following this kind of really traditional fairy tale story where we, you know, we have a problem, we go face that problem, we solve that problem, we live happily ever after. And now here's the character who we saved saying, "What do you? No, we didn't do. It. Get back out there. We have more to do. <laughs> and, like flipping that idea on its head in a really fun way." Yeah, it is funny. It's it's a, it's a fun. It's just a really cute way to continue the story. Which is funny. Yeah. You think the game's over, and it's like, wait, no, no, no. Grunty's not done yet. We gotta go <laughs> after her. And it's just, it's a fun little way to break up the story. Yeah, yeah. Again, like just really setting the tone of the world and of this experience in this really fun scene. Yeah, yeah. Our heroes go back to the board game room they had been previously in and head up the stairs. Grunty fled last they saw her, opening a sealed note door successfully. Banjo and Kazooie hear a familiar, disgusting voice. Hey, Banjo, you're looking glum. It must be hard being so dumb. It's not over, stupid bear. See my picture over there? To fill it up means no mean feat. Lots of jiggies make complete. Using the rest of his jigsaw puzzles, Banjo and Kazooie fill the picture that revealed to be a portrait of Grunty. A door opens, and the two venture inside. Inside the room is Grunty's talking cauldron. Our heroes ask where Grunty is, and the cauldron happily tells them to hop inside of it, and it'll shoot them to the top where she is hiding. Jumping inside, our heroes are shot to the top of Grunty's tower. Waiting at the top is Grunty with her flying broomstick. I can't believe that furry pair! They got right up here! It's so unfair! But now that stupid bear must fight! This battle tests your skill and might! Grunty flies through the air and charges at Banjo and Kazooie. As she does, her broom gives Grunty problems, which is enough time for our heroes to strike at her. Shooting comets from her hands, Grunty continues to laugh and charge at her from her broom. Banjo and Kazooie continue to strike at her at every possible moment. Grunty gives. Grunty begins to fly high, away from our duo, until they too take to the sky. Good and evil continue to clash, giving Grunty quite a clash. I rhymed that last one, by the way. I just want to say, I just want to take credit for that one. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I hear you're clapping. Thank you so much. Suddenly, four Jinjo statues raise from the rooftops and proclaim that they want to help Banjo and Kazooie as thanks for finding and freeing them on their journey. Kazooie fires eggs from her mouth into a hole at the base of the statues, setting the Jinjos free and allowing them to attack Grunty. And again, this is more of that nonsensical, like, silly, like, random stuff this game provides. Um, and it's not the whole game, but it's just so random that these Jinjo statues, these little, like, creatures you collect throughout the nine worlds, uh, these statues just come out of nowhere <laughs> on the ground and, and say they want to help uh, beat Grunty. And it comes out of nowhere, and it's just so silly and weird, but, like, that's just part of the story. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, again, it's a, it's a deus ex machina, right? It's a traditional, oh, no, what are we going to do? Oh, here's this random thing that's going to save you. Um, I think yeah. it is heightened by the fact that, like, you earned this thing, right? Like, it is silly and comes out of nowhere, but it only is silly and comes out of nowhere because of the fact that you saved all these creatures. Um, so right. that, that makes it a little bit more uh, 
okay, I think. Oftentimes, Deus yeah. Ex are kind of ridiculous. But if, if they come from you doing something, I think it feels a bit better. Yeah, and it, it, you're right. It does feel earned, too, because they're hard to collect. There's a lot of them. I think there's, like, five, I think, in every world. So that's 45 Jinjos you got to find, if my math is correct. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's just it, it does feel kind of earned. It's silly and kind of out there. Um, but, again, these Jinjos were kind of... Um, Hid, uh, were, were imprisoned by Grunty in these worlds, so it, it makes sense, I guess, why uh, they would help Banjo and Kazooie. Just it seems kind of out there that they just randomly come in here, <laughs> and during this moment they're fighting. And I would like to say for context too, uh, there is a character coming up. Uh, I decided on his voice. Uh, once you hear his name and hear the voice, I think you'll understand why I chose said voice. Um, so hopefully you enjoy it. I think it's hilarious, uh, but that's just me. <laughs> As the last Jinjo flies and crashes into Grunty, it causes her to fall backwards onto her lair's roof. Standing up, she continues to attack our duo. Suddenly, again, a huge Jinjo statue rises from the middle of the roof. <laughs> I am the mighty Jinjinator. Activate me. <laughs> That's not anything like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Yeah, you can't hear because I'm muted, but I'm laughing. <laughs> okay, good. It's, okay. It's, it, I, it, it's a nice kind of combination of sorts of negative that is enough to, you get what the, what you're going for. It's okay, very okay, good. good. It's very if good. I have to re-record it, I can, but yeah. No, it's very good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it really is called, the, his eyes glow and he's called the Ginginator. No, they're certainly going for a Terminator. <laughs> oh yeah, for then. sure. Yeah, for certainly. Sure. No, that's yeah. exactly the right voice to make. So funny. Kazooie fires eggs into the opening at the base of the statue, setting the mighty Ginginator free. All of the recently released Jinjos fly into the Ginginator. It stretches its body and its eyes glow red. Floating into the air, the Ginginator begins to prepare. Grunty screams in fear at the sight of it. With only her few teeth clattering in her mouth, the Ginginator spins and spins faster and faster. It begins to ram into Grunty over and over again. With one last final strike, the Ginginator rams into Grunty, sending her off of the lair's roof and down to the ground below. She smashes into the ground, leaving a giant witch-sized hole. Along with that, a giant boulder of debris slams into her as well. Unable to escape her hole, Grunty calls for help, but none seems to come. At last, Grunty and her hideousness is done for, and our heroes celebrate once again, but now on the beach. Tootie, Banjo, Kazooie, Bottles, and Mumbo relax on the sandy shores. A random woman in a bikini walks by with watermelons, which brings more questions than answers. Super random. I want to point that out. This is the only human in the game. It's very <laughs> strange. Super, it's super, like, I totally, I remember being in this game forever ago, so it's been a long time. Um, but watching this walkthrough again uh, while writing the script and seeing this, like, quote-unquote, uh, like, bikini model walking by, it was so weird. It was so weird. I, I would love to know why they chose to do that. Like, she doesn't... I thought she was bringing the watermelon to them, at least. And she just walks by. And she does it twice, actually. It's super strange. That's so strange. I don't understand it. It's very weird. It's yeah, very strange. That's very strange. I mean, it may just be, like, again, calling back to that very strange... 
maybe a little bit too sexualized 90s culture, like Baywatch culture that it's like yeah. joking about that maybe landed at the time, questionably, but certainly maybe doesn't land as well now. And it's just very strange. It's very strange. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think you're right. I think there's a cultural tie to this in some way, shape or form, but uh, 2020, it's a, still super duper weird. Oh, this is great. Have you finished now, Tootie? Can I relax? Questions Banjo. Sipping on her coconut drink, Tootie replies, Sure, Banjo. You and Kazooie are heroes now. Did you hear that, Shorty? I'm a hero. Kazooie brags to Bottles. Hmm, yes, I suppose you are. Well done, Kazooie. A watermelon-eating Bottles happily replied. Thanks, Goggles. You're not so dumb after all. Kazooie complimented Bottles. That's enough, Kazooie. Let's all watch the cast list now. And that's exactly what they did. All of the colorful cast from the game were each prominently shown and honored for the roles they played. It was truly a beautiful and perfect ending. Or was it? As the cast list ends and we see our beach relaxing heroes, Mumbo comes down from a nearby coconut tree. Hey, Mumbo got secret pictures. Kazooie questions what they are pictures of, to which Mambo replies, Got pictures of things you missed. Secrets used in next game. Oh, my throat was hurting so bad. I can't do Mambo's voice. As Banjo and Kazooie ask to see the pictures, Mambo falls from the coconut tree. He tells them the next game is Banjo-Tooie and shows them hidden secrets in his pictures pertaining to the next game. However, that is another story for another time. As our tale comes to a close, the scene changes back to a trapped Grunty. Her assistant, Klungo, sits by the boulder pinning her in the ground. All the jiggies you did snatch, but I'll be back for my rematch! Proclaimed Grunty. The end. Oh, my voice is shot. <laughs> I hope it was worth it. Yeah, your voice must hurt so so much. I think so. I think so. I think it the uh however we say about the story, I think the the reading was incredible. Uh the voice yeah. Thank it, you. I appreciate. It. I I really did work hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can tell. I mean it it made it so much it elevated it a lot. It it made it feel like a storybook um in a really really fun and silly way that I think if we were to just kind of read this as we maybe read some of the other ones, it it wouldn't land that silly, funny, wacky vibe that this story i think really needs in order to work yeah yeah and i think one day too if we're i think we're this is a, a great start for our podcast I, i'm so excited to see where it goes in the future um and i think too that if you know if we continue to do well and uh we get bigger and bigger i would love to kind of go back to these early stories that we're doing and if we can incorporate more people to do more yeah. uh, you know fun dialogue with us so it's not just like one or two people doing it um, it'd be like, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of people doing the lines. I think it'd be even better. You know, like, I think it'd be a lot of fun to do. Um, but that's another, uh, yeah. you know, that's sometime we can look at that in the, in the far future, I think. But for yeah, now, I think that would be yeah. really fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would like to take a second, too, and say shame on you, Microsoft. Absolutely shame on you. Uh, and I was watching the playthrough again for this recently. I was watching the one for uh, the uh, Rare Replay the compilation of games. Uh, and Mumbo says, uh, you know, I found these secret pictures. They're hidden passages pertaining to the next game. And he says, the next game is called Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. 
which I immediately did like a double take. I was like, no, it's not. Like, this is like, what? <laughs> I don't understand what the heck's going on here. So then I found a walkthrough for the N64 version, and that's where it states the next game is Banjo Tooie. So along the way, when they, maybe it's Rare's fault, maybe it's Microsoft's fault, but they were trying to, to like promote Banjo Tooie nuts and bolts again, which I thought was such a, a gross thing to do to go back and change your game in some way, shape, or form. Uh, the dialogue, especially to be promoting something else rather than Banjo Tooie, which is the next game in the series. I just thought it was so silly and stupid and unnecessary. Like, why, why even do that? Yeah, that feels like a very strange choice, yeah. uh, especially to promote a game that like people generally don't enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And I looked it up. I, and I looked it up to uh, Banjo Tooie Nuts and Bolts, and, I, and supposedly it's like half and half. Some people really like it, some people don't. Um, but I, I remember hearing about a Banjo-Kazooie sequel and being so excited for it. And then I heard those nuts and bolts and I saw the gameplay and I was so disappointed that it was not another Banjo-Kazooie or Banjo-Tooie. Um, so again, I'm hoping with the popularity of Banjo being in Smash, because I think I know a lot of people really wanted him in Smash, um, along with hopefully the potential of them coming back for the Switch, the, the, these old games coming back for the Switch, will reinvigorate the franchise and, and allow Rare, even if it's just for the Xbox, allow Rare to make a new game, a new Banjo-Kazooie game. I'd be so happy to see that. So Yeah, and it, it, I, I agree. I think these games have such a special place for so many people that played them. I mean, I have a handful of individuals, you included, who I know played these games as a kid and just loved them so, so much. And I think... They would be silly not to capitalize on that and to make some more of these fun, silly games. Yeah. Um, where? I don't, I don't think it's as important. But yeah, I agree. I don't think it's as popular as Crash Bandicoot. If I was supposed to, to guess, I would say Crash Bandicoot is probably more popular. But at the same time, I think, like, you, like you're saying, a lot of people have a special place in their hearts for Banjo-Kazooie. So I think it'd be a great idea. Um, and uh, if anything, I have shown not only Gabe Newell, but also Rare, that I can do plenty of voices <laughs> so please yeah. tales of the cartridge all the easier threes g- gmail.com <laughs> you know where to find us please <laughs> so ryan uh now that we got through the whole story what is yeah what what are your feelings about the story of banjo kazooie uh I, I think you cannot separate the silly wackiness from the story itself i i don't think it's the strongest story that we've gone through you but don't? I don't i don't think that's <laughs> No, I don't think it's the strongest story, but I do think it still is is still hitting a lot of these really interesting places, and and it leans really heavily on um, those cultural touchstones that we've kind of talked about throughout um, in a way that it works them really well. Um, it knows what it is, and it does not shy away from that, and it mm-hmm. just kind of lives in that moment. And I think the world is really interesting. The character is really interesting. The story is interesting enough to move you forward. There certainly could be more tension in some places, but I think the, the, the purpose of this game is to explore these worlds and have fun with the gameplay. Um, overall, I think I think it's a pretty good story. It's, it's good enough to warrant exploring the world and to move things forward in a way that I think even some, some newer games, maybe the gameplay is fun, but the story is detrimental. This story doesn't feel detrimental at all. Yeah. It doesn't take away from the experience. It, it only adds to it, which I think is still something to uh, celebrate. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, um, personally, I love the story just because I think it's, uh, nostalgia helps a lot too. Um, but I think overall, it, they do a great job setting up the story. And while the middle is a little lacking because it's more focused on gameplay, I think the ending, I think, is just so special with how they structured it. Um, I just think you can't help but love it. it it's, it's, it's just such a, something you don't see often anymore, especially in games now. 
or maybe I'm missing that. Or maybe if there is a game that people think kind of repre- like resembles this in, in modern day gaming, I would love to know your take on that. So please let us know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think this game is so special. And I would, mm-hmm. I, I really, really hope it comes back in some way, shape, or form in the future. Um, but yeah, I think overall it's a great story. And I, I, had, a, I had a great time covering it. I'm glad we, we covered this as our first cartridge game. Um, yeah. And I'm excited for more cartridge games to come. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So that is the story of Banjo Kazooie. And next week, we will be covering Half Life. Yeah, Half Life. Which, interestingly enough, came out the same year as Banjo Kazooie. No way. Um, did it really? It did. 1998. Oh my God. Yeah. Half Life and Banjo Kazooie came out in the same year. So it'll be really interesting to see. Although, like, they, they have very different. Um, like demographics. Banjo Kazooie was meant to be like a family game, like that anybody can jump in and enjoy, and like adults will enjoy it, and young kids will enjoy it. And Half Life feels really different. Half Life is kind of this extension of this first person shooter, Wolfenstein, Doom thing, but in a really different, interesting way. But yeah, yeah, they came out in the same year. I know, that sounds like it's both family games to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> games for the whole family. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so this game would be on cartridge, except uh, PCs didn't have cartridge readers, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, that'd be so cool. So it doesn't doesn't count. A, doesn't count. PC tower, turn it on. <laughs> you blow into your tower to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Which sometimes you still need to do if you get some dust in there. No, that's true. Yeah, that is true. Um, I've never silly. played Half Life, any of them. Um, so I'm super excited to to cover this and and finally understand the story and why people love it so much. Yeah, and just to let everybody know, I'm going to play Black Mesa, and then I'm going to either play or or explore um, Half-Life. I I will try to play both of them if I have time. Um, But I want to experience both stories and see how true to life Black Mesa is. Black Mesa, if you don't know, is a remaster of the original 1998 game using the engine from Half-Life 2. Um, and then in Black Mesa, I think they've even updated it even more. And then they one of the big things they did, though, is they very we'll talk about it when we play Half-Life, is the last section of Half-Life is really strange, and they've changed it a lot. So that is where we might see the most differences, but I'll highlight that in the in the script. But I think that's, yeah, I think I, I'm excited for Half-Life. I'm excited for Black Mesa. I'm going to check those experiences out and try to create the best story from that to present, and we can have a discussion of what I did and didn't do well afterwards and see see what we think. But that's that's kind of, that's that's next week. Awesome. Super excited for that. I can't, yeah. I'm super excited to see how that story goes and why it's so beloved. So, um, yeah, but th- this is Tales from the Cartridge. Uh, remember, your perspective matters. We would love to hear it. Um, if you have any perspectives on Banjo-Kazooie or Half-Life, either re- the, the original or Black Mesa, please let us know. Uh, let us know at Tales from the Cartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. And also Twitter and Instagram, you can DM us there. Let us know what you think. We'd be happy and, and love to read your perspectives. Um, and also, now that we are officially launched at this time, or not this time, but next week, but, you know, whatever. Now that we are officially launched... When you're hearing this, yeah. When you're hearing this, yeah. <laughs> um, we would be super thrilled if you can give us a good review if you enjoyed it. Uh, if you didn't enjoy it, I'm sure you're not here anymore. <laughs> or if you did and you're a trooper, I applaud you. Uh, just don't rate us. <laughs> I'd appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> Please, in those comments, mention how incredible uh, Eric's reading of the script is. I think that's really important. I would really give me a, a big ego boost I need right now. Yeah. <laughs> my throat yeah. and my uh, myself would have appreciated it a lot if you did. Um, so, yeah. Uh, 
we will see you in the next story. Goodbye. Bye, guys. <laughs>